This is Everyday Light, a perfectly imperfect reading of the One Year Daily Bible. I'm Molly, a fellow pilgrim on the road to the kingdom, and it is a joy to have you traveling this journey with me, with the Word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. This is the one-year Bible reading for July 2nd. It is a joy to be here with you today, opening up the Word of God. And we're going to start in the Old Testament in 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1. If you remember, Israel has been carried off by the Assyrians, but we have the good king, Hezekiah, who is reigning in Judah at this time. About that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill, and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amaz, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have always tried to be faithful to you and do what is pleasing in your sight. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. But before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard, this message came to him from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Tell him this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. And three days from now, you will get out of bed of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. I will do this to defend my honor and for the sake of my servant, David. <coughs> then Isaiah said to Hezekiah's servants, make an ointment from figs and spread it over the boil. They did this and Hezekiah recovered. Meanwhile, Hezekiah had said to Isaiah, what sign will the Lord give to prove that he will heal me and that I will go to the temple of the Lord three days from now? Isaiah replied, This is the sign the Lord will give you to prove that he will do as he promised. Would you like the shadow on the sundial to go forward ten steps or backward ten steps? The shadow always moves forward, Hezekiah replied. Make it go backward instead. So Isaiah asked the Lord to do this, and he caused the shadow to move ten steps backward, on the sundial of Ahaz. Soon after this, Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, the king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah his best wishes and a gift, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been very sick. Hezekiah welcomed the Babylonian envoys and showed them everything in his treasure houses, the silver, the gold, the spices, and the aromatic oils. He also took them to see his armory and showed them all his other treasures, everything. There was nothing in his palace or kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked him, what did those men want? Where were they from? Hezekiah replied, they came from the distant land of Babylon. What did they see in your palace? Isaiah asked. They saw everything, Hezekiah replied. I showed them everything I own, all my treasures. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, listen to this message from the Lord. The time is coming when everything you have, all the treasures stored up by your ancestors will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Some of your own descendants will be taken away into exile. 
they will become eunuchs who will serve in the palace of the Babylon's king. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, This message you the Lord is good. But the king was thinking, At least there will be peace and security during my lifetime. The rest of the events in Hezekiah's reign, including the extent of his power and how he built a pool and dug a tunnel to bring water into the city, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. When Hezekiah died, his son Manasseh became the next king. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. His mother was Hephzibah. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, imitating the detestable practices of the pagan nations whom the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. He built the pagan shrines his father Hezekiah had destroyed, rebuilt them. He constructed altars for Baal and set up an Asherah pole, just as King Ahab of Israel had done. He also bowed before all the forces of heaven and worshipped them. He even built pagan altars in the temple of the Lord, the place where the Lord said that his name should be honored. He built these altars for the, all the forces of heaven in both the courtyards of the Lord's temple. Manasseh even sacrificed his own son in the fire. He practiced sorcery and divination, and he consulted with mediums and psychics. He did much that was evil in the Lord's sight, arousing his anger. Manasseh even took an Asherah pole he had made and set it up in the temple in the very place where the Lord had told David and his son Solomon, my name will be honored in this temple and in Jerusalem, the city I have chosen from among all the other tribes of Israel. If the Israelites will obey my commands, the whole law that was given through my servant Moses, I will not send them into exile from the land that I gave to their ancestors. But the people refused to listen, and Manasseh led them to do even more evil than the pagan nations whom the Lord had destroyed when the Israelites entered the land. Then the Lord said through his servants, the prophets, King Manasseh of Judah has done many detestable things. He is even more wicked than the Amorites who lived in this land before Israel. He has led the people of Judah into So this is what the Lord the God of Israel says, I will bring dis such disaster on, Jerus on Jerusalem and Judah that the ears of those who hear about it will tingle with horror. I will judge Jerusalem by the same standard I used for Samaria and by the same measure I used for the family of Ahab. I will wipe away the people of Jerusalem as one wipes a dish and turns it upside down. Then I will reject even those few of my people who are left and hand them over as plunder for their enemies, for they have done great evil in my sight and have angered me ever since their ancestors came out of Egypt. Manasseh also murdered many innocent people in Jeru until Jerusalem was filled from one end to the other with innocent blood. This was in addition to the sin that caused the people of Judah, uh, he caused the people of Judah to commit, leading them to do evil in the Lord's sight. The rest of the events in his reign and all his deeds, including the sins he committed, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. When Manasseh died, he was buried in the palace garden, the garden of Uzzah. Then his son Amon became the next king. Amon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem two years. His mother was Meshulamath, the daughter of Haruz 
from Jotba. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his father Manasseh had done. He followed the example of his father, worshiping the same idols that his father had worshiped. He abandoned the Lord, the God of his ancestors, and he refused to follow the Lord's ways. Then Amon's own servants plotted against him and assassinated him in his palace. But the people of the land killed all those who had conspired against King Amon, and they made his son Josiah the next king. The rest of the events in Amon's reign and all his deeds are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. He was buried in his tomb in the garden of Uzzah. Then his son Josiah became the next king. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah from Bozkath. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn aside from doing what is right. Those are refreshing words after those bad kings. We'll hear more about Josiah uh, tomorrow. Acts chapter 21, verse 18. The next day, Paul went in with us, Luke and Paul's other companions, to meet with James, and all the elders of the Jerusalem church were present. After greetings were exchanged, Paul gave a detailed account of the things God had accomplished among the Gentiles through his ministry. After hearing this, they praised God. But then they said, You know, dear brother, how many thousands of Jews have also believed, and they all take the law of Moses very seriously. Our Jewish Christians here at Jerusalem have been told that you are teaching all the Jews living in the Gentile world to turn their backs on the laws of Moses. They say you teach people not to circumcise their children or follow other Jewish customs. Now, what can be done? For they will certainly hear that you have come. Here's our suggestion. We have four men here who have taken a vow and are preparing to shave their heads. Go with them to the temple and join them in the purification ceremony and pay for them to have their heads shaved. Then everyone will know that the rumors are all false and that you yourself observe the Jewish laws. As for the Gentile Christians, all we ask of them is what we already told them in a letter. They should not eat food offered to idols, nor consume blood, nor eat meat from strangled animals, and they should stay away from all sexual immorality. So Paul agreed to their request and the next day he went through the purification ritual with the men and went to the temple. Then he publicly announced the date when their vows would end and the sacrifices would be offered for each of them. Now, why does Paul do this? Um, he's not required to, right? Jesus has, has fulfilled all of the law. And so he has freedom from that law. Um, but as we're about to read in a, a few weeks in Romans, um, we have a great, great number of freedoms in Christ, but we need to uh, not have those be a stumbling block to others. So in my opinion here, um, Paul is acting specifically um, for the sake of these Jewish believers, that he would not be a stumbling block to them, but not under any condition. The seven days were almost when some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple and roused a mob against him. They grabbed him, yelling, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches against our people and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. He speaks against the temple, and he even defiles it by bringing Gentiles in. 
for earlier that day they had seen him in the city with Trophimus, a Gentile from Ephesus, and they assumed Paul had taken him into the temple. The whole population of the city was rocked by these accusations, and a great riot followed. Paul was dragged out of the temple, and immediately the gates were closed behind him. As they were trying to kill him, word reached the commander of the Roman regiment that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately called out his soldiers and officers and ran down among the crowd. When the mob saw the commander and the troops coming, they stopped beating Paul. The commander arrested him and ordered him bound with two chains. Then he asked the crowd who he was and what he had done. Some shouted one thing and some another. He couldn't find out the truth in all the uproar and confusion, so he ordered Paul to be taken to the fortress. As they reached the stairs, the mob grew so violent, the soldiers had to lift Paul to their shoulders to protect him, and the crowd followed behind, shouting, Kill him! Kill him! Psalm 150 Praise the Lord! Praise God in his heavenly dwelling! Praise him in his mighty heaven! Praise him for his mighty works! Praise his unequaled greatness! Praise him with a blast of the trumpet. Praise him with the lyre and harp. Praise him with a tambourine and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanging. Let everything that lives sings, sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 18, 9, and 10. A lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. That proverb always rings true to me because if I am lazy about my housework, there is destruction. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. And to end today, I wanted to share just a little bit from a book that my small group is reading right now, and it is the Sensible Shoes series um, by Sharon Garlow Brown. Uh, it was given to me by a, a dear friend, and um, we're now going through these books together. So this is the second book in the series, um, and one of the characters is writing in her journal and says that a friend tells her that discernment is all about taking the next faithful step guided by love. So what does love call me to do? That point in itself was the point of much discussion and consideration in our study this week. And then what follows here, she writes, just remembered something the Lord revealed to me years ago. I was so anxious about knowing his will to be obedient, worried I wouldn't hear correctly. Then it hit me. I was putting all my confidence in my ability to hear God, instead of placing confidence in his desire to speak in a way I could understand it. It seemed like such a simple thing, but it was life-changing, a huge paradigm shift, like a big burden was lifted off me and I began to relax a bit. Putting confidence in my ability to hear God places the burden of responsibility on me. Putting confidence in his ability and desire to speak to me places the burden on him. He knows me well enough to know what will catch my attention. So help me rest in you, Lord. I hope you'll be able to rest in the Lord today and trust in his ability to speak over your life. Have a beautiful day. I love you all.